Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. Shared our guest preacher this morning is Mike Burke, and his scripture passage is uh, it comes from 2 Corinthians, and it begins in the middle of verse 7, which is very strange. And this is a good opportunity for me to tell you to sign up. We'll be sending out this week uh, uh, how you can register for our Bible Essentials class, and you can learn how verses uh, got numbered and how chapters got numbered and why they're sometimes begin in the middle of a verse, which is pretty strange. But this is the type of basic biblical knowledge that if people have it, a lot of the errors that people make when they're saying things about Scripture would become more difficult uh, to, to make. Um, there's just some basic Bible knowledge that is missing out there. Um, the way that I would say it is, it's as if you've downloaded uh, a, a PC operating system onto a Apple computer. And if you have the wrong operating system, it's not going to work. And a lot of people just don't know that your operating system matters. So, this is the scripture passage, uh, these words from the Apostle Paul. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardship in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's good to see you out there. <clears throat> it's good to gather together, isn't it? To, to be together and to worship. It, it's been a long time. And, uh, and for those of you that are home online, I, I have to admit I'm just a little bit jealous. Nothing beats a cup of coffee and going to church in your pajamas. <laughs> I have to say, you know, this this has been a hard year, hasn't it, as we navigate this pandemic. But I am so grateful for our pastor, Rob. Um, Rob, you have uh, shown so much integrity and fortitude and helped us get through this, and you continue to help us. Um, I, I am very, very grateful that you are our pastor. Well, here we go. 2 Corinthians 12, 
Have you ever struggled with unhealthy guilt? Some people call it shame, a gnawing sense of not quite, quite measuring up. Do you ever struggle with worry or anxiety? Do you ever seem to just struggle with struggling? That would be me. To make matters worse, some popular religious teachers and teachings can inadvertently feed into our struggles. Sometimes so much emphasis is placed on the successful Christian life that we end up with expectations for ourselves that are more idealistic than realistic. And sadly, we can be left with a very incomplete view of God's grace. Yeah, it's true. In the Scripture, it does encourage us to be strong, be courageous, to live victoriously. But there's a surprisingly wonderful side to the Christian life that often gets overlooked. More on this in just a moment. Hope. Hope. Hope is a beautiful word. I love that word. I love everything about hope. There's another word I'm not quite as fond of. Disappointment. Have you, have you ever prayed for a certain outcome? I mean, really prayed, and then it didn't happen? It didn't turn out the way you had hoped? If so, you are in good company. There's a guy named Paul who experienced this very same thing. In 2 Corinthians 12, we see that Paul had a problem, a serious problem. He called it a thorn in his flesh. I was given a thorn in my flesh, says Paul. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Scholars have long debated what that thorn might have been, a physical condition, a weakness, a persecution, hardship, but it's all speculation because even though I'm sure Paul's friends, those closest to him, knew what that thorn was, Paul never specifically said in Scripture what his thorn in the flesh was. And, and frankly, I'm sort of glad about that because it'd be real easy for me to go, sure glad I don't have that problem. And whatever that problem was, it was literally tormenting Paul. And he prayed. Three times he pleads with the Lord to take it away from him. He's real specific. Please take it away. And when Paul prayed, things tended to happen. Seriously. Paul knew how to pray. His prayers were powerful. In Acts chapter 20, we see Paul praying for a young man. And his prayers literally raised that young man from the dead. If Paul the Apostle prayed for you, things tended to happen. So now it's Paul's turn to pray for himself. And he prays three times. He pleads with the Lord, and then he gets his answer. But he, that's the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I can just see Paul. So, you're not going to heal me? 
This wasn't the answer Paul had been hoping for. But as it turns out, it was a total game changer. Okay, let's pause just for a second. This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, our church is named after this guy. He had clout, and when he prayed, things happened. He prays for himself three times, and he wasn't healed. In Scripture, we are encouraged to pray about anything and everything. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Ask him for the desires of your heart. Yet, we are encouraged to trust him for the outcome. For however God chooses to answer our specific requests, we can know, we can trust that he will always be with us, that he cares for us, and that he'll always give us the strength we need, no matter what. My grace is sufficient for you. This is the Lord's answer. He did answer Paul's prayer, not in the way he had hoped, but it changed Paul's life. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. It's all you need. For my power works best in your weakness, right in the middle of your weakness. There's something deep going on here, and Paul could have missed it if he was only focused on having his prayers answered on his terms. God works best in our weakness I did not see that coming. This was a whole new concept for me. Somehow, I had missed that in the younger years of my Christian life, in my efforts to be strong and courageous, to be good enough. I had missed the truth that God works best in our weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, that word grace, that's another word I love, a powerful word. Perhaps the most common definition for God's grace in the New Testament goes something like this, God's undeserved, unmerited favor. The scripture is clear. God's grace is a gift. And on the cross, that wonderful cross, Jesus paid a debt that we ourselves could not possibly pay. Paul says it like this in Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so can boast. Amazing grace. There is nothing better on this planet than God's sweet, redeeming grace. Unearned, unmerited favor the gift of God. I've come to learn that this grace is like a beautiful diamond. God's grace is wonderfully multifaceted. And one of these facets can be described in a way sort of like this. Today, in this very moment, God's grace can be powerfully active in our lives, giving us the strength right here, right now, to live the lives we were made for and that we yearn for. This is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is the facet of grace that I'd lost sight of 
in those early years. God's grace and power worked best in people who were willing on a daily basis to admit their need for him. For me, I reached a dead end in the mid-80s when I was a youth pastor for a Methodist church in the Bay Area. I loved being a youth pastor. I was reunited with my pastor and mentor, Lynn Haver. It was the ideal job for me. I loved my job. I loved my church, my community, my friends. I loved my family. Everything seemed seemed perfect. And yet on the inside, I was strangely frustrated and constantly angry. I ate angry. I drove angry. I worked angry. I even slept angry. I got so frustrated, I ended, up, I ended up trying to control my anger with my anger. Come on, Mike, what is wrong with you? I was puzzled. I was miserable. You see, the thing I was missing was the very doorway into strength and hope. And that's the beautiful invitation to admit weakness. To be completely honest, my main problem wasn't in being exposed to an imbalanced teaching of Scripture. It was my listening. Seriously, if I had really been listening back in Sunday school, I would have heard beautiful truths like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Somehow, I lost sight of the simple yet profound truths. I, Michael Burke, I was determined to do it right. I would measure up. I had become somewhat driven and quite hard on myself. Honestly, I think I was ashamed that somehow I wasn't measuring up. And to make matters worse, I wasn't talking about it to anybody. Here I was, desperately trying to be a good Christian, a good family man, a good youth pastor. I was trying so darn hard, and I wasn't measuring up, and I was so frustrated so angry, and I was afraid, frankly, to admit how I really, really felt. When I'd run into a problem, I'd just double down, grip my teeth, try harder. Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with trying hard. It can certainly be an admirable trait. Yet, trusting in our own strength can be one of the greatest traps of them all. For me, it was like I was trying to run a marathon while gritting my teeth and holding my breath. I think we'd all agree that would not be quite sustainable, running a marathon, holding your breath. I wasn't hearing the invitation to admit weakness. It's all throughout the Scripture, and I just wasn't seeing it. For example, Book of James, 
Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, as I was preparing the message for this week, Marion was a huge help to me. She especially helped me right here to slow down and really think about this verse and how it can apply to our everyday lives. The more we talked, the more I saw this verse is a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Instead of confessing everyone else's faults, also known as gossip, we are called to confess our faults. This verse calls us to confess our faults to a trusted friend. A couple of questions come to mind. First question, how can I be a trusted friend? How can I be a trusted friend? Listen with your heart. Be willing to pray. Be worthy of your friend's trust. Keep everything confidential. No PhDs required. Just be willing to listen. The other question, how can I have the courage to admit weakness to a friend? Ask God for help, then pick up the phone. Could we get together sometime this week? And now, listen to the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. I love this verse. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a beautiful invitation. Notice, it, notice this. It's not, come to me, all you who are strong and have your lives in perfect order. Come to me, all of you who measure up. Nope. Here's how he says it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. All you who don't measure up, come to me, and I will give you rest. Beautiful invitation for you, for me, for all of us, with great affection. And yet here I was, so determined, desperately trying to be in the driver's seat while hiding my weakness it all came to a head one day in the ba that Bay Area town. Standing on a stepladder, changing a light bulb, arguing with my wife Lisa about the wattage. My wife wanted 100 watts. Me, I'm cheap. I wanted 40. As I was standing on that stepladder, I got so angry. Silly argument, but literally, I felt like I was going to lose control. And it scared me. And I got down that ladder. I got down off that ladder, and I awkwardly and somewhat courageously, at least for me, admitted to my wife exactly how I was feeling. She listened, and then she prayed for me. Did that feel good? 
it was like I was freed up to more freely admit to God, to myself, to my family, and my trusted friends the exact nature of my struggles. It felt so good, open and honest, to admit weakness. And then it was like a light went on, like a thousand-watt light bulb. Oh, yeah, I I can't live the Christian life on my own power. What was I thinking? God's got the power. The power of admitting weakness. It was like a whole new world opened up to me. This was truly a major turning point in my life. As it turned out, the timing was perfect. I was just beginning my internship as a marriage and family therapist. and This whole new way of living became the foundation of my work and my ministry. Be yourself, Mike. You don't have to pretend you have it all together. (laughs) Be human. Be honest. Instead of wasting energy denying weakness, embrace it, admit it, and fully lean on God and His strength. What a wonderful way to live. I'd been fighting it. It felt like my whole life. It was a beautiful invitation. Listen again to how Paul says this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We are invited to admit, even celebrate, our weaknesses. Again, think about how healthy these verses are. Uh, this, is, this is really stuff that I'd been resisting, I think, my whole life. I didn't want to give in to weakness, and I definitely didn't want to admit it to you, much less to myself. Instead of resisting, denying, covering up weakness, we're invited to openly embrace those limitations. And I believe that we all face limitations, whether they're physical, relational, emotional, financial, etc. Through the years, I've had the privilege and honor of being with people who courageously open up their lives. I've been witness to the profound power of Christ that is available to each of us when we begin, however awkwardly, to openly admit our struggles and our weaknesses to God and to a trusted friend. When I started to slow down and admit my own struggles, I noticed I could breathe. And I began to more fully appreciate God's redeeming grace. That wonderful word actually describes God's attitude towards us. In the New Testament, we see that He is favorably and affectionately inclined towards us. He yearns to hold us. The whole New Testament is filled with affection. 
as I've been rereading the New Testament really slowly, sort of like a fine wine. I've just been going through just very slowly and enjoying the New Testament. It is so filled with affection. And, and I'm with Pastor Rob. I love the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus tells this parable literally to help his listeners understand the very heart of God. And listen to this one sentence in the middle of the parable as Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. While he was still a long way off, the prodigal was loved. The father's heart was filled with compassion, and he ran to him. And he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The affectionate love that God has for us. This is the kind of love that the Father has for each of us. And this love, seriously, this love literally transforms lives. And just as the Father embraced his wayward prodigal son, a son who definitely was not measuring up, should we not also freely embrace one another? God's redeeming grace, truly good news of great joy for all people. The very struggles we might be ashamed of and that we often try to hide from ourselves, from family and from friends, these very struggles are actually an invitation for us to embrace our weakness and to let God take over. My pastor and my mentor, Lynn Haver, he loved the saying, let go and let God. To this very day, I can still hear Lynn. During a sermon, he would lean into that microphone and he would whisper powerfully, let go and let God. And as we continue to bump into life's inevitable challenges, struggles, weaknesses, physical limitations, unfair criticism, illness, hardship, we can have hope. Admit weakness and just breathe. Lean into God and feel his love. For when we are weak, we are strong. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your redeeming grace. Thank you that you love us just like that father loved his prodigal son. Lord, help us to open up our lives to you. Help us to uh, practice being more open with one another and with you. Thank you, Lord, for that our very weaknesses, things that we might be ashamed of, that those are actually 
an invitation, Lord, to come to you and to Lord, thank you for your love and for your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said,